Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory, founder of TeamsRock.com. Join us as Greg interviews thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from professional sports to manufacturing to business and industry. Now, let's join Greg for another powerful episode of the Teamwork Advantage. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. This is a podcast that's dedicated to growth, development, and advancement in three key areas, teamwork, leadership, and culture, or what we call the TLC. Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Gregory, founder, creator of the podcast, and owner of TeamsRock.com. We help people get those organizations going all the way through, and part of what we do is bring you guests and leadership thought experts from around the world on various topics that can help you in work, in life, at home, at your church, your synagogue, your temple, all these areas wherever there's people that have to work together. And by the way, a lot of these ideas, you can share them with your kids for their sports teams as well. So today we are no exception. We've got Julie Shulam joining us today. And Julie has an MS, a PCC, a CPC. We'll find out what all those little letters all mean. Um, she's an executive productivity coach. And you know, that's one of the latest words today is a coach. So there's various types of coaches out there. So we're going to talk to Julie about being a productivity coach. She writes, speaks, and trains clients on ways to improve their productivity. Hello, that's me. Um, in turn, this assists in reducing the stress, the feeling of being overwhelmed, as well as pro... Oh, we'll talk about that later. Procrastination. Her career started as a professional organizer, and I've got some experience working with the, the professional organizers of the world, over three decades ago for companies and organizations who are wasting time, money, and valuable resources. She now, on her worldwide clients, seek out to improve their ability to focus, to be productive, and become better leaders. So there's our leadership component today. She enjoys working with busy executives, entrepreneurs, and has a specialty for helping those who are neurodiverse. And if you've listened to the Teamwork Advantage in the past, you know we've had several episodes about neurodiversity on here. She also is, uh, loves to work somewhat uh, people who are stuck and can't get back on track or find their track and be able to take off and run and be able to succeed with purpose. Julie Shulam, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you so much, Greg. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here because you and I have chatted a couple of times in the past. And Julie and I met probably, what, about three, four months ago. And I, I wanted to have her on. We're trying to figure out how this will fit right into the Teamwork Advantage uh, TLC approach. And as we kept talking and reading and learning more about each other and more I learned about her, I found some great ideas. Because one thing that wasn't mentioned in there we're going to talk about today is ADHD, mm. and that's huge today, and not just for children. But before we get into all this, Julie, I want to ask you one big question. Okay. Did you wake up one day when you were 15 years old and say, I'm going to be a productivity coach? No, but not too far later. <laughs> really? Oh, I want to hear about how this came about. How did, how did you get to where you are? <laughs> Well, interestingly, when I was 15 and a little younger, I was that nerdy kid who had a day planner and I was always organizing my tasks and writing everything down. I was a constant list maker and I have to credit my dad for that. He's an engineer. So, you know, he was just okay. really organized and methodical. So I just kind of thought, oh, that's the way we do that. And I just was always naturally keeping track of things and organizing things and how can I make this better and faster, easier and you know do do a better job with whatever I was doing. So I applied that to school, of course. And when I was in college, I was working my way through college, working at a dental office. And I realized that there were some systems that could make things a little better and I can improve the bottom line of the practice if we maximize the use of all the operatories and scheduled better. And so I started just making things work better and improve the bottom line of the practice really quickly. And 
this started getting around and I started going and helping other dental offices do the same. And then it started to grow into other kinds of businesses and turned out I had a knack for creating systems, making things more organized. So I was combining organization with productivity. Productivity wasn't as big of a you know, keyword back then. So it was always being organized and that, mm -hmm. that was all we were thinking about and creating systems. So I created a lot of workflow systems. In fact, my first company was called Workflow Systems Design. Okay. <laughs> and I ended up helping a lot of different companies to improve their, their productivity ultimately by becoming better organized and having systems so that everyone in the office knew where things were, how to get to them, and to just make what they did more efficient and effective. Okay. By just creating creating systems and having- so let's, let's be clear. Them. You don't go in and say, here is a system, use this system, and go to the next place and here, use this same system. You create the system for the person, is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Now, there's certain components that kind of fit into exactly. you know, systems for everybody, obviously, but things were, were done and created for how that person would think. And I would, for example, I used to set up filing systems, okay, that, you know, when paper was a big deal. And I was a master at creating these filing systems. But what I did that a lot of people didn't do is I would ask someone, okay, you've got this, this paper, this information. What word comes to mind when you want to find this? What are you going to think about? You know, what are you what are you going to look under? And today it would be what keyword do you search for? Keyword, right? Yeah, yeah. So we didn't say keyword back then. No, but, exactly. But yeah, yeah that's so I'm just bringing that's it to terms today. I did, and therefore I set up systems that worked for how that person thought. And if they were in a in a in a an office where they had multiple people, well, then I had to come up with words that would be appropriate and, and something that everyone would think about. And, okay. you know, I, eventually we came up, we made a key, you know, so that you could, you know, know that, okay, in this drawer, everything relating to, you know, this is going to be in here. And systems were set up categorically, not just alphabetically, because that was just a nightmare and I'm not going to go into it. Anyway, there's, there, there is a method <laughs> and it oh, does yeah. work. And oh, it absolutely works. Yeah. You know, I go back and my, my late wife, she absolutely understood that concept. So that part of everything made sense to me is creating it by categorically and then alphabetically within the category. Yes, yes. That uh, made sense. And yeah. I've even carried that following now into some of my files that I save. Okay, so that works. Yes. That's, that's fascinating on that. Okay. So what happened next? I mean, you started helping all the dental practices, all these other practices. What was yeah, next? Yeah, so then went into you know, therapist's office and lawyer's offices. And you know, just it just kept growing, growing, growing. And then the larger businesses and companies and such. And yeah, it's just what I, it's what I did. And I didn't think it was a career. I was, that was so far from where I was going in college. But what it, what it did was show me that, wow, there's a need for this ability. And to me, it didn't feel like, oh, this is a career because it's just what I did. It just was something natural for me to do. Mm -hmm. And I had the ability to help others do it. So it wasn't okay. just, oh, I'm really organized. I can be really organized. No, I can actually teach other people how to be organized. I can set up systems for them too. And what I finally realized is after I went into my my chosen profession for a short period of time. By the way, let's let's tell everybody what was that chosen profession? I was a medical illustrator. Okay. That's so definitely was, a far cry. Yeah, do you think? I, I was a I I was a pre-med bio major and a, and an illustrator. So I combined my two my two passions, art and medicine. And I um, did that for a while and found that, yeah, lots of reasons I decided not to continue it. It, uh, it, did, not, it did not feed my soul, let's put it that way. And I, but I loved helping people organize and everything just kept coming back to that. I'm like, okay, why am I fighting this? So I started organizing businesses 
before actually before the National Association of Professional Organizers even existed. It's that long ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I started training uh, dental offices how to increase their um, their function and functionality and to make sure that they were they were working in the best possible way they could, making sure that they were billing insurance properly. That was a big problem back then. Yeah, uh, I think that's still a problem today. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, it was a problem then. And you know, I finally just called the insurance company and says, hey, what do we need to do to make sure that we get paid on time? And like, oh, we'll just fill, that, fill this out, do this, do this, do this. Okay. So I started teaching dental offices how to do all that. So look, just ask a better question. You'll get a better answer. Find out what do you need to do? Make this happen because we don't have time to do everything twice or three times. Do it right the first time. Yeah. Productivity increases right there. You know, it's not, not. There's the old adage says, you can't find time to do it a second time if you can't find time to do it right the first time. Okay. So it just kept growing and growing. And I became very well known in the local area and you know, in almost yeah southern california where i'm from and i would organize all kinds of offices and uh it was it was great fun mm-hmm. and i did that for a long time and then eventually uh, about 19 years ago every one of my clients um told me that they had adhd and that that was a pivotal time because i was I was organizing and consulting, so doing a little bit of both. Didn't know about the whole coaching thing yet. And finally started hearing about coaching. And I said, you know what? I could help so many more people if I were coaching versus going into offices one at a time. I could help more people. So that's fascinating because you're going from working with a group of people to set a system into place to working with one person as a coach. Is that right? Well, I was also working with, with solopreneurs. Okay. So I worked with a lot of individuals who had, who had a business. They were, they were the whole company. Mm-hmm. They ran And this was and way before the pandemic. Oh, almost two decades. I just want to make sure people yeah. realize there are a lot of people doing solo businesses or what the word today of course is side hustle that have turned their side hustle into a full-time hustle Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of people out there like myself and you who were doing this you know 25 28 30 years ago yeah yeah that was before the term solopreneur came around exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) that was entrepreneur we were entrepreneurs with no staff is what that turned out to be (laughs) so I was working with a lot of people who had <laughs> their side hustle was their was their main hustle actually, mm-hmm. and, but they didn't know how to keep track of everything, and and make sure that they were putting their time where it needed to be. So I had a lot of people coming to me with task management issues, prioritization issues, procrastination issues, and then they'd maybe have, um, you know, an assistant or some, a few employees and they didn't know how to delegate because, you know, when you're, when it's all you, you like, oh, I, I'm the only one who could do all this. So I have to do all this. And they just weren't even giving work to the people they were paying to do jobs. They just kept doing it all themselves. So I taught them how to let go of some of that. You do not have to control everything. You're okay. still in charge, but other people can do things too. Well, let's kind of get into that a little bit because that kind of led me into how you got into coaching and being a productivity coach. Mm-hmm. And in, in the introduction, we talked about there are different types of coaches. There are life coaches, there are business coaches, there are leadership coaches, there are executive coaches. You're a productivity coach to help individuals with their productivity challenges whether it's just the fact that they're scatterbrained, ADD, ADHD, neurodiverse, wherever that happens to be, so you're comfortable in working in all those environments. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about it here. What is something that, if somebody's listening to this right now and they're going, that sounds like me. <laughs> what are the first two or three things they can do? Depending upon where they're stuck most, 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to find out first is, okay, where are you? Where's the gap? Where are you really stuck? And finding out what is going to have the most impact because we want to have, we want to have some immediate success as, as soon as possible. Right. So that, you know, you get motivated and inspired to continue on that path of, of making some changes. So when I'm working with someone, I'll, I'll, Ask, I ask a lot of questions, of course, as a coach, that's my job, <laughs> but I'm going to be finding out, you know, what is causing the most anxiety or stress? Where's the overwhelm? What's going on? And for a lot of people, it's from, uh, honestly, the biggest problem I hear, um, I'll give it off, overwhelm, just can't get everything done. There's too much flying at me and I don't know how to, how to manage all of it. Second is focusing, which is kind of sometimes similar to the overwhelm, not being able to stay focused and engaged in a task, and then procrastination. I keep putting everything off over and over and over. So those I'd say are the three big issues that come into the coaching arena when Mm -hmm. someone's starting with me. And, and then there's, you know, a lot of others, of course, there's communication. How do I delegate to people and, you know, all that, but overwhelm, focusing and procrastination are the three biggest topics that come. Three biggest topics and stressors in somebody's life today. Yes. yes. Okay. So let's say someone comes to you and says they have one of these three. So let's just pick any one you want. Let's go with overwhelm. Okay, overwhelm. Biggest. <laughs> and today's world, we're trying to do so much more. And it's, I have read that we're getting more information today in one day than our great, great, great grandparents did pretty much in their lifetime. That <laughs> makes sense. That does not surprise me. And so when we see that, that's just like, whoa. Yeah, I can just, I can, I can say, just looking at my inbox, we'll, we'll explain that. (laughs) Justin validates that right away. Like, wait, and and to me, it seems like overwhelming is going to drive the focus, which is going to drive to do one thing and you're putting something else off. And it's not that you're procrastinating, it's that you're doing, you're making other choices to do something else over that. Yeah. So they all drive each other. Yeah. So let's talk, and by the way, folks, I want to make sure everybody understands, we're getting into how this impacts you at work, possibly, or at home, but this also is going to impact your team, so as you start to do it better, your team starts to do it better, so the productivity of the team gets better, which impacts the culture, which impacts the leadership, which everything ties together. Full-on trickle-down effect, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk here, what are some of the things that somebody can do if they're feeling stressed out because they're overwhelmed? Okay. Well, one of the first things that I have people do is get really clear and honest with themselves as to what really has to be done. What is, what is going on in their head? What's going, you know, what are they ruminating on over and over and over so that we can find out where, where the stress is coming from? Where is this overwhelm coming from? So the first thing I have them do is kind of a brain dump of taking what everything that's going on in your head that you're worrying about and thinking about that needs to get done, get it down on paper. Now, to be fair, I have a lot of people who've done that. They have everything written down on paper, multiple pieces of paper all over there. Not centralized. Everything, you know, they'll have, well, I've got, I've got, I've got this notebook and then I've got this thing. I've got something on my app and then I've got something on my computer and then I've got, you know, they've got lists and everywhere, but nothing is, nothing is consolidated. Everything is all over the place. That's, that honestly can bring overwhelm right off the bat, just from that one issue. And I've had a lot of people lately even that have realized that they they have to go to so many different places to figure out what they're supposed to do. Well, this doesn't work. You can't prioritize and schedule and plan if you've got things in a myriad places. 
you have to be able to have everything centralized, as you said, and put into one, one list. Now you can categorize it, you can color code it, but everything needs to be in one place. And I've always shared when I go and speak, I'll say to the group, I say, here's the deal. It's a one per person situation. You're one person, you get one list. Even if you have things that have to be doled out and delegated and that might be done by a team member or a direct report, you still have, you're still responsible for that. It's still on your plate. Therefore, it needs to be on your list. You can't keep track of things if you've got them in a plethora of locations. And that makes it very stressful. Because then you've got lists that are getting buried under junk on your desk and you can't find the list that you wanted, but you know it's somewhere. And that disorganization adds to mm-hmm. some of the stress and anxiety. Let me throw this one at you. Mm-hmm. And I love this conversation right now because there's so much that I can relate to that I've got friends that are relating to in all of this. So we put it in one place and that makes sense. Let's say you're out running an errand and you're like, oh, I got to remember to do this. And then when you get back, you got to add it to your list. Mm-hmm. But you forgot what you have to add to your list. <laughs> Not if you put it in, a right, in the right place. So, okay. my so let, is... let's talk about how we can take it from multiple sources of IDing and getting it into that one place. Okay, it's easy. You have to have one place that you can dump things in when you're out and about. So I have an app on my phone and that works well. And I'll just actually just record in, you know, hey, Siri, put this in my phone. And then it's trapped there. You, When you put something in a place you trust you will see it again, you're good. That's the secret. That's the it's where you'll see it again and not forget to go back to it. Yes. So that does not mean putting it on a napkin when you're out and about or on a scrap of paper uh, posted or something. You want to have it somewhere that it's it's going to stay and you're going to see it again. It's not something that can get lost. So I put everything in my in my reminders app on my iPhone. Okay. That's what is me. What is that app? So we just tell people about that. So the reminders is the one that is on the Apple, the iPhone, and everything goes in there. And even if I'm not going to deal with it today, I put it down today so that I see it. And then when I and when I'm sitting and organizing my day, which by the way, should be done the night before. I'm just giving you a heads up on that. I remember that. <laughs> I'm not gonna I it remember those that days. <laughs> Friday night so, for the next week and Monday night for each and the night before each day. Yep, night before each day. And you'll you'll see the task in there. You'll see the item that needs to be looked at. And then you can address it and say, okay, is when am I going to do this task? Is is tomorrow gonna work or is another day gonna work? And tomorrow isn't always the best day. It may not work out that you can do it tomorrow. You may have a ton of meetings and it's not going to happen. So you put it on the next logical day, it can happen. And be honest with yourself. If you put a bunch of tasks on your list and you've got, you know, a ton of meetings, it's not going to happen. I have a great story about that. Okay. Can I share this? So I was working with a CEO company and he came to me asking for help with getting all of his you know, getting stuff done. He says, you know, I just have so much to do and I have all these lists and, and, and I, I just never get, the list is never done and I don't know why. So I had him write down the things he, he planned to do that day. So fortunately it was the morning, there was hope. So he started writing down everything he wanted to do. And he had kind of a half-baked list prior to that. Nothing like what I, what I teach. And so he put everything on his list and then I helped him to prioritize it. And then, and there's this whole system for that. And then I helped him to time estimate all the tasks. Now this is a step that most people don't even think about doing. You know, they're like, oh, I'm gonna do Or they're this, really this, bad this, at this. it. And was, so this is what happened. This was what was so funny. Um, funny at the time, actually funny now too. So I had him write down you know, estimate how much time each of these tasks was going to take. Now, this was before I started helping people to realistically estimate. And I'll explain that in a minute. 
So he gave an estimate as to how much time it was going to take. Now here comes here comes the the, the, I the think really I know where you're going. I had him total this list, right? I had him total the number of hours and minutes this task list was supposed to take. And he was conservative with this number. 14 and a half hours was the task list. Wait, here's the here's the fun part. He had six hours of meetings that day. Do the math. This guy had no time. He had four hours <laughs> left. Yeah, you know, to sleep, <laughs> eat, take care of oneself. Yeah, wasn't going to happen. So when he realized that he was setting himself up for failure every single day, which is really debilitating, he realized that he had to be, he had to change two things. First, he had to delegate more. And he, we identified the tasks that were things that could be easily delegated and off of his plate. Some of these things still need to get done. And then looked at the things that were on the list and assessed what things really needed to be done that day and what could be moved to another day where he didn't have as many meetings. And when he started realizing that if he scheduled his tasks properly, they would get them. And that was, that was a big eye-opening experience for him. And once he started adopting that whole that whole mindset and that system, problem solved. Fascinating. I, I had a hunch you were going down there. I actually thought you were going to come up with like 24 hours for him to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, all right. So the first thing we got to do is to get everything, do the brain dump, get it into one place. Okay. Yes. Then we've got to go through, we got to do our time estimates. Time estimates. I have something to say about that. Okay, let's talk about time estimates. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't even figure out how long they think it's going to take to do something. They just put on a list and say, well, if it's on the list, it obviously is going to happen. No, that's going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So what I help people do is, first of all, give your best guesstimate. A lot of times we have a task on our list we've never done before, so we don't know exactly how long it's going to take. But we can kind of go back in time and figure out, well, I did something similar and it took me 20 minutes. I'll assume it's going to take 20 minutes. But I'm, I add another little layer to this process. And that is I encourage my clients to add 50% mm -hmm. onto each task time estimate. And I'll tell you why. As human beings, we tend to underestimate by at least that much. Just think of how we speak. Oh, no problem. I can get that done in two seconds. Really? <laughs> really? Because I think you can blink <laughs> in two seconds. I don't think you're going to get that done in two no. seconds. I'll call you back in a minute. Mm, that doesn't happen usually either. We're used to saying things are they're going to happen really quickly. And they don't. And we're always surprised at how long it really takes to do something. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it takes us longer than we think it's going to take. Well, if you plan for extra time on a task, add just 50%. You have a better chance of actually getting that done in the time frame that you're thinking. So if it's going to take, you think it's going to take 20 minutes, make it 30. Think it's going to take an hour, make it an hour and a half. There is no negative problem, you know, downfall here, no negative ramification of overestimating how much time it's going to take. Because if you get it done, you can just start the next task sooner. And if you get your whole list done, shocking. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Right? <laughs> you can start tomorrow's list. Or you can have something called free time. Guilt-free free time. Because you got your list handled. The other thing that I used to have clients talk about is they are constantly... And I would tease them and say they are firefighters because they're constantly putting out fires. Yes. And so by doing your overestimating of time, that allows you time because you know you're going to have a fire somewhere through the day. Yes. And we're also going to have interruptions. I almost consider those fires, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could be fires, it could be not. But, you know, there's, there's, that's just a given. We're always yeah. going to have something that comes up. You're going to get an email where, oh my goodness, I have to 
deal with this situation now or sometime today. Yeah. Let's talk about you just said the word. Email. <laughs> or we'll do it this way. Email. What do we do about the inordinate amount of email we are all getting today? That's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I actually have a talk on this one. And when, do it in two minutes. I'll do it in two minutes. <laughs> First, put in the, uh, in, the, in the search bar, unsubscribe, hit enter. You will then get a list of every single website, service, whatever that you are subscribed to that you may not have intentionally, you know, asked to be subscribed to. And then go through and unsubscribe, get off the lists. So you want to stop the onslaught of emails coming in. So you kind of, you know, get it from the root of the problem. Get off of lists you don't want to be part of. And I have to do that on a regular basis. I think we all do and should, because many times we get put on lists that we didn't want to. You go and buy something at a store. You know, I just got put on a list because I bought something for, you know, bought a gift for somebody. I'm like, I don't need to be on your email list. When I want to get something, I'll go to your store again. You know, take me off. So, you know, unsubscribe. Uh, the, the real big problem with not with having too much email coming in is oftentimes a really important email gets buried and then you've got a problem. Yeah. So you, it's really important to get all of the extra non-important emails off of your off your in you know, out of your inbox. Mm -hmm. So I schedule I schedule time twice a week to just kind of do a massive purge, go through and get rid of the things that I, I don't need to have there. I, I do a daily, daily I go through, see what came in in the last 24 hours and go through and get rid of, get rid of the stuff that I do not need to have, you know, in there. And then I, I flag the things that I want to sit and read. So I schedule time to read the emails because some of them are things that I want to read and are important. And then, uh, and I have them go into separate folders. So I have things like newsletters that I like to receive. Now you and talk I have about folders. You're so, you send things. To, I've heard other people say, don't use folders. I, I put them into folders, but then, okay. Then you have the out of sight, out of mind issue. So you have to schedule the time to read those things in the folders. Okay. 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 So yes, it, you can have that issue where yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot I had a folder. <laughs> so you have to make time, you schedule time to, to address that. And if you find that you're not, you're not reading it, you don't really have any interest in it, it doesn't hit the mark anymore or never did, get off the list, delete them. Okay. But, you, but making time to go through and purge your email inbox, it, it's just kind of a part of life now. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. All right. We've we've been, we've only covered basically your first one about being overwhelmed. I definitely want to get to uh, focusing. Okay. Okay. Um, so many people with ADHD bounce, mm -hmm. and they can't control the brain from bouncing. Yeah. Now that will drive a teammate crazy. It will drive a boss crazy. It'll drive your team crazy if you're the boss. Yeah. What can we do to help ourselves and our teams by, we can't control the ADD because it's, it's, it's part of it. It's not something knuckle down, you just can't do that. Right. So what, do you, what, what are some tips you've got for us there? It actually, some of it comes down to what I've just been speaking about making sure that you, as the business owner, as the leader, as the person in charge, are organized with your own tasks. Making sure that if you are delegating information and tasks to your team, that you're very clear with your communication. Make sure that you do it in writing. 
So I worked with someone who would oftentimes forget that he had even, whether he had said, asked, asked somebody, you know, who was in his employee to do a particular task. And he would, you know, a couple of days later say, Hey, how come you didn't get this thing done? And the employer said, cause you didn't ask. <laughs> and it turned out he didn't, he thought he did cause he had it in his head, but it didn't actually come out of his mouth. So what we did is we set up a protocol where <clears throat> all requests are in writing, send a message, an email, so that there is a trail of this task being you know, uh, delegated and get feedback and follow up from the person that you're delegating to when they're going to do it and make sure that you're clear if you need it done by a certain time that you share that information. Hey, this needs to be done by tomorrow at noon. Is there anything that can prevent that from happening? Keywords there, I love that. That way you've got a great, you know, the person can say, yes, I got it, I can do that. Or, you know what, I can get it done by three, but there's no way it's gonna happen before 12, by 12. Okay, great, now we have clarity. So getting clear communication is essential because those with ADHD oftentimes are, you know, at lightning speed in their head and they need to be able to be very clear and make sure that what is needed is understood and that there is no confusion around what is going to be, what is expected from that person regarding that task that is being delegated. So the person who has ADHD, and I work with leaders with ADHD, matter of fact, 35% of entrepreneurs are said to have ADHD. So these are my people. And this that, is- Wait a minute, 35%? That's that was the last statistic I had read. Oh my god, I thought it would have been much higher than that. Maybe wow. it is by now. <laughs> wow, and the, that's probably just the ones that have been diagnosed with it, too. Yes, yes. And see, a lot of people come to me and they don't have a diagnosis, they're suspicious that they have ADHD. I, I work with the issues that they're confronted with. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if they, you know, whether they have a diagnosis. And all, everything you're talking about comes from the brain in the frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. So that's coming from the executive decision-making process up here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that could have been hampered at some point in time through your life from a concussion or something of that nature could have jumbled that up. Am I, am I on the right path there from some no, of the doctors I've talked to? It's a chemical imbalance. It's a mm -hmm. chemical difference. Yeah. And so, you know, it has to do with a, a, a lack of neurotransmitters, enough of, you know, not yeah. enough. And yeah keeping all the neurons firing in the direction they're supposed to go. And there are some, some things that can help with making the focusing a little bit better. So if someone really has to work on a project or a task and stay really focused and engaged. So I would kind of segue now into that, that aspect of focusing, because there's a, there's such a wide variety of, of, mm -hmm. area, of issues in that area. But when someone is just needing to sit down and get something done, that's sometimes an issue because there's the chatter that just does not stop in their brain. And in order to kind of harness that, mm -hmm. <laughs> there, are, there are a couple little secrets. Uh, there is a way of putting on some background sound that helps to keep the brain a little bit more focused and organized. And that has done wonders for my clients. So there's a few things I recommend based on the kind of task that you're doing. I'll give you an example. Playing music at 60 beats per minute, classical music at 60 beats per minute, if you're working on something with numbers. So if you're doing some computations, if you are doing some data entry, data, anything with numbers and data, that uh, the music at 60 beats per minute, Mozart's the one that most people actually go to because that is where it is, uh, end up finding that they can stay more engaged in a task when they've got that in the background. It does something with their body. I won't go it's interesting that. how that comes about because one of the other things, when you, if you ever take a CPR course, they tell you you're giving the CPR at the rate of 100 beats a minute, which is they use the example there of staying alive from the Bee Gees. So that's got to be at 100 beats per minute. You're telling me to slow it down to 60 beats per minute for this. I love how music is coming back into play with this. Yeah. So it, there, there are various things that, that can work. And 
also utilizing a timer, not one that makes noise because that can be very distracting, but using a timer. <clears throat> and I actually have a system that, yep, there yep, you go. Use the ones watch. right on our watch. Yep, exactly. You, you can't you can't claim you don't have a timer available because we all have one. And if you want to go to the old school and use a kitchen timer, that's totally fine too. But but giving yourself the, yourself the sense of urgency is that's one of the areas that makes it difficult to to get to a task is this oh well I've got plenty of time I can do it later and there's the procrastination part I won't we, we, we just kind of sideways right in there and by by setting giving yourself a time limit say you know what and this also works with organizing it it, it works with so many things I'm going to do as much as I can in this. 30 minutes, whatever you may have. And you set a timer. Don't look at a clock. Don't look at your watch. Don't do anything except that one task. And you work as fast as you can doing a good job, not saying being, you know, doing a poor job while you're, you know, trying to get it done quickly, doing your, your best in that time frame, And then know that when that timer goes off, you have a break. You get to stop and you get to do whatever else may need to be. You know, maybe I need to go get, you know, get something to drink. Maybe you need to return a, a text or a call, but you have that time allocated. And mm -hmm. when you know that you're, you're up against a deadline, it gives that kind of that little yeah. bit of an adrenaline rush that pushes you to get something done. And actually I created this whole system called the work break block system and it actually works with figuring out your, your actual um, threshold for different kinds of tasks. Sometimes I've had people, they can, it can work on a task for 60 or 90 minutes without needing a break. They can just really power into that, that, that time frame and get a certain task done in, you know, and they can stretch it and have more time allocated for it because they can stay engaged and focused on it. Others, it may be 15 minutes. Like, yeah, after 15 minutes, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I need to stop. And it depends on the person. It depends on the task. Exactly. It depends on both those things. So there's different thresholds for different kinds of projects and different people. And <clears throat> figuring out what that is, and you can figure that out by just giving yourself a, a just pick a time, say, okay, 20 minutes is, is a good time to start with. And say, okay, do I, after 20 minutes is over, do I feel like I can still keep going? Give it a try. See how much longer you can go. You can kind of figure out what your threshold is. Mm -hmm. Then use that as your data for the next time you're going to do a similar task. And then you've got that uh, time frame. And whatever the work block is, roughly 15% would be your break block. And if you work in this process, you work for this, let's say 30 minutes and you take a break for five, 30 minutes, five, and you keep going this, you'll actually be more productive than if you just try to sit down and plow through three hours straight. But what do you do if you've blocked the time in your calendar and you said that the night before you say, I'm going to work for one hour on this project. Mm -hmm. Okay. And at the end of the hour of working on it, you're not finished with it. But you've got something else that you're supposed to do, whether it's a meeting or whether it's another task that you're going to work on. What happens there? Then you have to assess is is the is continuing this task more important or less important than the next thing I have to do. Okay. If it's a task. Now, if you have to go to a meeting, that's obviously going to work. That's a different story. And and what I help people do is when you are when you have to leave a task because many times we start something we have to leave it partially done that's very common when you do have to leave a task make a really clear note to yourself where you are going to resume and what you need to do next what's the best next step for that task because the interruption and then coming back to it wastes so much time if you have a set note to yourself, this is what I need to do. And this is how, you know, exactly what I need to get done in order to get back into this task. It will actually get you back on board way quicker. And you'll be able to be more effective, more efficient overall with that task. That makes sense. Because now we're also going to look at, depending on the type of task, 
there are some people like myself who's very much a morning person. I can get up at five in the morning and be functioning and doing things cognitively, but at three o'clock in the afternoon, not a chance will I be able to do that. So when you're scheduling things out, so let's go back to the scheduling, you've mm -hmm. got to make sure what your body clock is, what works for you. Yes, 100%. Okay. You absolutely must know when you have the best chance of getting important thinking done. Okay. And we all have that, you know, that time. Like, yeah, a lot of people are really great before noon. And then others like, wow, I'm just really on fire after dinner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> depending yep. upon your lifestyle, take advantage of what you can, but be realistic mm -hmm. and use your best hours, your best focusing hours for the most important thinking tasks you have on your list. So let's talk about one more thing because we're, we're up against the wall here with clock, but I want to hit one more thing and then I've got one final question for you. But the one thing I want to hit is if I'm working on a task that I know is going to take multiple segments, mm -hmm. how do I estimate the time that I'm going to work on each segment? If I know it's going to take me multiple hours, maybe even days at different points, how do I estimate that time? Well, first of all, that's probably a project. So I like to make sure people understand the difference between a task and a project. Okay. A project is three or more tasks associated with it. So if you've got many things that have to be done, you're talking about a project with multiple steps. Well, each of those steps needs to be a line item as a task. And you break it down to the smallest doable component so that you can put on your list, find data for XYZ proposal. Versus, for example, write proposal. <laughs> well, you know, it's like in college, you know, when you had write a paper and then it didn't get done because you had to find the data, you had to get the research, you had to create the introduction, yep. you had okay. to create the conclusion. There are half a dozen steps with most of these things. Be realistic. Be fair with yourself. Write down each of the steps. Break it down. Baby steps. Always baby steps. Break it down to the smallest component. I still remember Zig Ziglar. Yeah. He said two things that helped me with all this. Hmm. Inch by inch, things are a cinch. Try it by the mile. It will be a trial. Hmm. And the other one is, you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> Well, it comes down to being realistic and making sure that you break it down into doable components. Yeah. You need to have some success with getting it done. If you set yourself up to, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to have any success with this until I get, you know, this entire huge body of work done. That there's overwhelm right there. There's, there's where procrastination sets in. Yep. Yep. Yeah, break it down. Break and it down. prioritizing break it down. is another form in the procrastination. There's so much more that we could go into. Mm, oh, yeah. So much more. <laughs> Hopefully I can get you back and we can dive into this again in another month or two. That I would be it. absolutely awesome. In closing, though, I want to ask this question. Mm. How does someone come to the realization? It's not admitting failure mm -mm. if they say they need a coach. How does someone know if he or she could benefit or needs a coach? That's a really great question. And I'd say a lot of times people are coming to me because they want to level up. They want to get to the next place. They want to improve their position. They want to do better at what they do. They may be in a new job and they want to really knock it out of the park. So they want it up their game. And Many, uh, the, the, the flip side to that coin is people who are not hitting the mark. They are not meeting the expectations of their team, of the company, of themselves. They are not getting things done. Uh, they're out of balance. So they have no, the, 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 oh, the phrase, you know, get a life. Yeah, they don't have one. <laughs> and they want to be able to to have more happiness, more okay. joy, peace, okay. and you know, and and get 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 what they want out of life. How do folks reach Julie Shulam? I am so easy to reach. 
You can By the way, me. folks, I want to make sure we understand Julie is not your normal spelling of Julie. Yes, it's J-U-L-I. There's no E there. No E. <laughs> <laughs> no E. So my website is, is an easy place, coachjulie.com. Super easy. C-O-A-C-H-J-U-L-I. And you can uh, find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on you know, most social media sites, but that's pretty much the, the easiest way to find me. And all my contact data is on my website. Super and you can go into organizations and help them. Are you still helping them build systems? I'm still setting up systems for people. I'll teach them how to do it and get them to set up systems because sometimes that's, that's the first thing that has to happen. Yeah. Julie, it has been fascinating learning from you. There's so much, and being one of those uh, in the 35 percentile range, um, I definitely understand where you're coming from and how to work through it. Folks, if you feel that this has been helpful, because let's face it, when it's helpful for you, it's going to help your team. If you're a leader who's struggling, it's going to help your team. It's going to help the organization. When it helps all of that, it ties into what we talked about just a few weeks ago with Dr. Richard Safir. Richard Safir was talking about health and well-being, and that's exactly what this is about. This can help create the culture for a well-being in your organization once everybody's got that page down pat. And Julie Shulam can definitely help you with that. It's Coach Julie, J-U-L-I, CoachJulie.com. Is that right? Yeah, you got it. Thank you so much. Folks, remember, the Teamwork Advantage is here to help you build teamwork, leadership, and culture within your organization. And, you know, once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, and Julie gave us, wow, a lot today. But once a week, you get ideas that you can implement immediately. Go back and listen to this. Flag this. Do it on your dog walk. Make notes and get ideas that you can start to implement immediately. You know, our philosophy here on the Teamwork Advantage is very simple, folks. Once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, you get ideas you can use, so go out and make today an excellent and exceptional day because having a good day is just being average. Until next week when we bring somebody else in, make sure you do just that. Have an excellent day, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit TeamsRock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.